it helps us to understand that marriage from a perspective of how God designed marriage mm -hmm. to be versus what I thought marriage was supposed to be mm -hmm. based on what I saw, based on my actions, based on me being selfish. Um, and so it kind of puts that in perspective because marriage is just so easily just thrown away these days. People just, just randomly, oh, we're married today and we're divorced tomorrow. There's no honoring of the marriage. Welcome back to the Two Stubborn Affair podcast, where we tell stories about overcoming adversity. I'm excited about this episode. Um, we have a very special guest in the building today. None other than the lovely Dr. Shamika Mack Sanders, um, the owner of a, a publishing company and also a very established author. I see your books over here, so I'm excited to get into it. Um, how are you doing today? I'm doing really good. Thank you for having me. Good. I just appreciate anybody who is willing to come out and want to have a conversation with me. And, um, you know, there's so much going on in the world that positive conversations just need to be had. That's right. That is <laughs> <laughs> That's right. In, in the midst of all the mess and bad energy, these conversations are just necessary. Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. um, so where are you from? Um, originally from the country. Mm -hmm. When I say country, I mean like Reedsville area, mm -hmm. um, down near Dorchester County, Charleston area. So when I say Reedsville, most people don't know what, where. <laughs> so if I say Charleston, Dorchester, they're like, okay, in the area. <laughs> every time. Every time. Yeah. Um, so what was it like growing up there? Um, so I'm a country girl, but... I'm not really a country girl because I do not like outside. <laughs> that is not my thing. Um, but in the country, of course, don't got nothing to do but be outside mm -hmm. all day. Mm -hmm. But during that time when we were growing up, it wasn't like we had a lot of avenues. It was just like you're just going to hang out with your friends. Mm -hmm. You're going to hang out with your sisters. And that's just what it's going to be. Right, <laughs> right, right. So what parts um, would you say stuck with you? I know you said you don't like to be outside, but what parts of growing up in the country you think still um i think the quietness of it all i love the quietness um when we first moved from north carolina because of course my husband's military okay. so at one point we were stationed in north carolina and it was just loud and everything going on over there and then we moved to a quieter area in North Carolina where it wasn't as busy so I was like oh yes this reminds me of being back at home mm -hmm. and so when we came back to South Carolina we ended up moving downtown right. Columbia like literally downtown mm -hmm. Columbia and I could not take it it was like <laughs> the houses were right here and I was like I can't I can't take it it's too loud it's, it's not peaceful so right. I, I enjoyed the quietness of my childhood, mm -hmm. um, I enjoy the everything not on social media mm -hmm. of my childhood. Um, I just enjoy being a child, mm -hmm. and I tell my friends this all the time. If I could, I would go back mm -hmm. <laughs> to that time in my <laughs> right, life. Right. I don't worry about bills. Mm -hmm. oh, I don't man. worry about being an adult. I can just be, and that's the good part about it. Yeah. Just being and sitting in your feelings, sitting in your emotions, mm -hmm. just just being. You said a mouthful there because responsibilities and life. <laughs> I, I like to say just like life always lasts. 
Yeah, life is life. Life is life. Life is life. And then another to your point. Um, I, I guess you could say I'm country. I've been I've been here in in Columbia, South Carolina, Mm -hmm. for about ten years or so. Mm -hmm. I'm originally from um, the DMV area, um, Capitol Heights, Maryland, to Mm -hmm. be exact. Grew up there the first twelve years of my life. Came down to a small town called Union, South Carolina, when I was about twelve, thirteen. And um, when it was time to go to college, I came here to USC, and I just never left. Just never left. Never left. So I I got a little bit of both, and I can kind of I honestly say that I prefer a city like Columbia over, like, a DMV area. It's kind of like a good in-between because it's not too yeah. busy, but it's also not, you know, out in the country because well, you got unless you're in the city. 20 minutes yeah, to yeah, get yeah. to the store. Yeah, 20 <laughs> minutes to get to the store, 30 minutes to get to the store, one Walmart. I don't miss that at all. So so I feel yeah. like Columbia is like a happy meeting. And um, I, my wife and I are fortunate to have found a place where the houses aren't right on top of each other. Exactly. That's I, I can't stand part. that. I don't, I don't understand. I mean, that's just the way they build them. Or you could just yep. reach out of your window and touch I, the, yep. touch the house right next I to you. I could just reach both my hands out and I'm touching my neighbor. Yeah, yeah that's how they do it these days. But <laughs> I mean, that old good fashioned country living. Yeah, can't beat it. So, at what point did you get into writing, or was that always a part of you, even as a child? Well. Writing has always kind of sort of been my escape. Mm-hmm. I'm not really an outspoken type of person, mm-hmm. um, but I do see, say what I have to say, right. if that makes sense. And so um, writing for me is more of like a release. Mm-hmm. I like to hide behind what I write, mm-hmm. and that was something that I had to get out of. Right. Um, instead of hiding behind what I write, mm-hmm. when I put it out there, I make it public. So now... I'm opening up that information to the world so they can be privy to the information that I have. So I'm no longer hiding behind that information. Um, and one of my pastors told me a while back, she says, you have a story to tell. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, no, not me. I don't need to be nobody public speaker. I'm not trying to speak in front of nobody. But that has always been my thing. I've always been in the background. I've mm-hmm. always been, you know, writing stuff there. Mm-hmm. And that's just my piece there. Mm-hmm. Um when I have things on my mind that I cannot formulate with my words, I write it down and it just seems to come out. And so I never knew that writing was supposed to be something that I was supposed to be doing until um, me and my husband were going through some things in our marriage. And as I began to write, the book began to form. And so it was like, okay, God, you want me to do what? I'm just gonna write this stuff down, whatever happens, happens. And so, when the idea of me formulating my thoughts and my writing into an actual book developed, it was like, I like this mm-hmm. because I'm a person, I like kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wherever, whatever room I'm in, I don't care how many adults are in that room. If there are children in that room, children tend to gravitate towards me. I'm and people right. tell me this all <laughs> the time. You need to be working with children. You need to be working with children. Um, and so I've always known that about me. Mm-hmm. But I've never always known that writing was supposed to be something mm-hmm. for me. Okay. Until I kind of allowed myself mm-hmm. to experience that as I was going through some stuff in my life. Okay, so with that first book, 
what was that like for you, that process? Because I know, obviously, it gets a little easier with you. It does. What was the the first book like for you? Well, writing my first book, I remember, like, any time a thought would come to my head, I don't care if I was asleep. I had my notepad and my pencil right beside my bed. Mm. And so I would automatically get up, a thought would come, I would get up and write it down. If I was writing, I had a tape recorder. I will record my thoughts because I know I'm not going to remember everything that I'm right. thinking. So I will begin to record my record my thoughts, write stuff down where I am. And if I can't write it down, like I said, I record it. And that kind of stuck with me mm-hmm. throughout the process, um, even in my future books. Mm-hmm. So my first book was almost like a release. It was almost like right. <sighs> a counseling mm-hmm. to myself. And so um, in writing that book, it kind of helped me live in my truth, mm-hmm. and it kind of forced me to have a conversation with my husband that I felt like I wasn't ready to have, mm-hmm. but I knew I needed to have that conversation with him. And so that kind of helped in that book. Um, and that one, that, that's actually uh, this one right here. I was um, going to ask you which It's which called Growing Your Love After the I Do's God's Way. Mm-hmm. And so pretty much um, it helps us to understand that marriage from the perspective of how God designed marriage mm-hmm. to be versus what I thought marriage was supposed to be mm-hmm. based on what I saw, based on my actions, mm-hmm. based on me being selfish. Um, and so it kind of puts that in perspective because marriage is just so easily just thrown away these days. People just, just randomly, oh, we're married today and we're divorced tomorrow. There's no honoring of the marriage. Right. And I wanted to bring that back because that's very important because there's strength in marriage mm-hmm. because God designed marriage for it to be strengthened. Right. And so I think that's important to share that story and to let people know that, hey, my marriage is not perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is not by no means my husband and I, we fuss. Mm-hmm. Just because we understand how marriage is supposed to be designed God's way, it does not mean that we are not going to go through some things. It does not mean that today I might not like you. Right. And that's just God's oh, honest truth. Yes. But I love him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And, and to your point, um, it is necessary for you to find what works for y'all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think a lot of times, especially in this day and age, we, even if we don't mean to, we kind of compare. We do. We compare with X, Y, and Z. We do. But they're not us, and we're not them. Mm-hmm. We are two different people that need to learn how to coexist with one another. You do. And, and cultivate that relationship that we have with mm-hmm. one another, because that's the only way it's going to work. That's true. At the end of the day, it, that relationship is just between you and your mate. And if y'all not working together, it ain't going to work. You're absolutely right, because you got to think. You come from a set of backgrounds. Mm-hmm. She comes from a set of backgrounds. And then y'all coming together, trying to make it work and gel it together. Um, there has to be some medium there. Absolutely. There has to be. It can't be, oh, well, my mama always did this, or my dad always did this. I didn't marry her. <laughs> I didn't marry your mom. You didn't yeah, marry my dad. that's true. <laughs> so that, that was important for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the, thank you for sharing that. that. That is, I think that book is necessary, um, again, just because... Focusing on your relationship from not only a literal sense, but but a spiritual sense. Exactly. Because there is it's so much more than than just you know the physical and what you deal with on a day to day basis. If you're not right with God, mm-hmm. nothing is going to work for you. Yeah. 
And my husband and I, we actually did spiritual counseling with our pastor, and we did just regular marital counseling with a regular counselor. And I think both of them were beneficial because we were able to get something from each counselor. It wasn't just, oh, God said this and God said that. No, it's an understanding of if God said it, what does that mean for me? Right. How is that going to impact me? And then taking that knowledge and understanding the marital side of it and put both those together, it's amazing. Yes, yes. and uh, we're going to continue this conversation after a word from our sponsors. Built on a passion and love for art, All Things Design is here to create spaces you will love and custom designs and memories that will last a lifetime. All Things Design specializes in event design, interior design, corporate design, custom design projects, and home closet organization. And that's just to name a few. Communication is key. We're here for whatever you need. We'll help you solidify your vision and keep in constant contact until your dream is realized. All Things Design, a step above the rest. Be sure to book at allthingsdesign.org. All right, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to the Two Step in the Fair podcast where we tell stories about overcoming adversity. Uh, We have the lovely Dr. Shanika in the building today. um, And we were talking about the first book. Um, so just to continue the conversation, um, describe the feeling or the process from book one to book two now that you've gotten that huge weight off your shoulder. Book two was growth for me. Mm-hmm. So book two was, I knew I wanted to write book two, mm-hmm. but it was like, can I pull it off? Yeah. And it was like me getting in my own way on book two. And so, like I said, I'm always, you know, writing stuff down, but me getting my own main weight. So once I said, okay, we're going to do this time. I can do this. So once I got that, and I went through my whole process, again, I have to find me a place that I designated just for writing only. I also did that with book one, that I had a place just for writing only. When I set time aside for writing only outside of when things just randomly come to me. And so by the time book two came out, um, there were some things that I had been praying for. There were some things that I had been asking for. And it just, it was just nothing. crickets. And I'm like, all right. I've been praying. <laughs> and nothing is happening. I've been doing everything that I know what to do. And nothing is happening. God, what is this? Why are you overlooking me? Why are you just saying whatever to her? And I just see everybody else's dreams are everybody else's desires happening right in front of my face it's like i had faith for everybody else but when it comes to having that faith for me and stuff that i wanted because of what i was getting i was like okay god whatever this ain't for me i'm just gonna have faith for everybody else and i'm just gonna be that person for everybody else and whatever i get is what i need and so i had to learn in writing this book that i needed to be doing something while i I needed to be waiting, expecting God to do something. I need to be waiting, preparing. I needed to be waiting to learn. I needed to be waiting to actually say, when my time has come, am I going to be ready? 
And so that was a hard lesson that I had to learn. Um, but once I learned that lesson, and I put it in this book, <laughs> oh, I was like, yes, God, thank you. And so that was that, that would be this one right here. And it's called When Nothing is Happening, uh, Faith It. Um, it is a very short read, um, but it's a great read. Um, it shows the growth in uh, my spiritual walk, I believe, in this book. Um, it shows the growth in my understanding of where I should be and where I need to be going. Um, and I think that's that's important because sometimes we are so impatient. Like, all together, I don't care what it is. And sometimes I do this and I'm like, okay. Okay, I'm guilty. But we are impatient. Um, even social media just makes things happen just like that. Even like we're like I heard people I heard someone say the other day, um, we are a microwave society. Yeah. We want we want stuff to happen just like that. And sometimes we see stuff happen for somebody else and we think, Oh, but just the other day that person didn't do this and now they only come up or now they're doing this. It's like they did that in their past. And to us, it seems like it happened instantly. But we never saw the back end. We never saw the struggle. We never saw all the hard work. We never saw the late nights. We never saw all the praying, and all the crying. We never saw any of that. The only thing we saw was yesterday they were here and today they're here. And so that's something that I had to learn. And that's something that I put in this book to help people understand. Just because something happened for somebody doesn't mean God has forgotten about you. Because he has. It's just not your time or maybe you need to do something to be prepared so when you receive it, you know what to do with it. Right. Because if I'm asking for a million dollars, I'm just going out there, I'm praying God asks for a million dollars. When I get a million dollars, I don't know what to do with it. And what I'm asking for for? That's true. And, and I think a lot of the time we can get, for one, uh, I think a lot of times we could ask for what's a miracle over a blessing. What mm -hmm. I like to categorize a blessing as is God doing his part. Mm -hmm. So, yes, you pray for it, but then you also you take the necessary steps to make that happen. And then once you achieve it, it's a blessing, but it took effort from not only you, mm -hmm. but, you know, God doing his part. But it, it's not one without the other. Right. Unless you expect a miracle. Exactly. You got to have, you got to put some type of action. Mm -hmm. Faith how works is dead. What is your action? What are you doing? What are you doing? Mm -hmm. God is waiting on you to do something. What are you doing? Please, anything. anything. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So now that we we wrapped up two of the books, um, what? How many have you written? Well, actually, I have four books, and I failed to mention with the first book that I have, um, with the Growing Your Love Have the I Do's book right here. Um, I also have the workbook to go with it. And so pretty much it acts as a counterpart to the actual book. And so it forces you to sit with your thoughts um, after you read a section in the book or a chapter per se. Um, it forces you to sit with your thoughts and take a minute to answer some of those questions and see yourself where you are. And so you can see, okay, I need to improve in this area. Well, this area is not working for me. So... Um, so you're giving us homework on top of that. Exactly. Huh? <laughs> because I don't want to just tell the story. I want you to be able to apply it right. to your life. Um, and sometimes that's just asking a question that allows us to sit without thoughts. And sometimes we don't do that. We just read something just to say, oh, yeah, that was a good book. It was a good read. 
but how are we applying it? What are we doing with the information that we now contain? And so um, I also have another one. This is my children's book here. Um, now, Milton Says No More is pretty much a book about um, helping children who see and hear domestic violence in the home understand how to cope with that. Um, children, I, I've said that earlier, um, children gravitate to, towards me. Um, and so children are important for me, very, very important. And so I'm developing Milton into actual series. Um, so it relates to social issues okay. such as poverty, bullying, um, racism, inclusion, things like that. But this one in particular is pretty much about seeing and hearing domestic violence in the home and pretty much helping children understand how to cope and deal with those feelings that they have bottled up and try to figure out what am I going to do with these feelings. Because oftentimes children don't realize what they see is what it is. Right. Um, for me personally, I've seen some things in my home growing up and I didn't realize that's what it was until after the fact. And I didn't realize how I allowed that to impact my thought process when it came to me choosing a spouse. Um, so I think it's important to help children understand how to, you know, unpack all that yeah. information there. Um, and it's a it's a good short read for children, and it's not so because domestic violence is heavy. It's, it's very heavy, heavy. So it's like, how do you take something so heavy, and make it so light, and bring it down to a level for children to understand? And so the fact that when I read it to my nieces and nephews, and they were like, "Oh, that's not nice," and then at the end of the book, they were like. Oh, well, he's happy now. <laughs> so I was like, well, yeah, that's the goal. That's the goal. That's what I want you guys to see. When this happened, that's not okay. It's not okay to see somebody pushing someone, especially when it comes to adults in the home. You know, that's not okay. Um, and oftentimes, domestic violence doesn't necessarily have to be physical. It could be a mental thing. And so I touch bases on that as well because I touch bases on being in tune with the feelings um, for children. Because children have feelings too. And sometimes parents tend to say, oh, they are right, they'll be fine. And that's not okay. They need to talk, you need to talk. We need to listen and we need to understand what they are trying to say. So what was the process like switching from such complex subjects with adults to now with children? That art transition? Not at all. No? Not at all. Children are my passion. It wasn't hard at all. Um, writing about faith, writing about my marriage, um, writing about how God designed marriage, none of that was hard for me because it's something that I, I live. Um, and let me be clear right now my husband has never, ever put his hands on me. <laughs> however, <laughs> Never, ever, <laughs> however, um, I know that something that happens in the home because it's something that I experienced during, growing up when I was younger. Um, and so it was not a hard transition for me at all. I, I just feel like children should be included regardless, color, race, whatever. Children should be included. Children have feelings. Children need mental breaks. I, I'm a parent. <laughs> And then when my son said, Mama, I need a break, 
Okay, look, great. I need a break too. Let's take a break from each other. And so we do that. And I reward him. Um, because sometimes I see that he's struggling. And sometimes I say, okay, Khalil, you need to take a break. Okay, we're not, we're gonna, I'm going to pick you up early from school today. Or we're not going to go to school today. It's okay to allow him to miss for me. I'm not saying nobody else, but for me. If that means that's going to help him to get back to where he needs to be. But he, he understands. He knows school is priority. You need to make sure you get good grades. You need to make sure you're doing your part. Because if you're not doing your part, I can't help you. I need you to do your part so I can help you. And so that's important. So um, how old is your son? My son is, what, 14? Okay, wow. Yeah. So you're already in that, that first preteen now, full-blown teenager grade. Um, so I, just to go back a little bit, I have a three-year-old, I have a 15-year-old, and I have a 20-year-old. So. I'm a, <laughs> at every level. Yeah, I know you're, exactly you're what it is. Like we, yeah. And we kind of started over with our, our baby girl. She's the only girl, uh, baby Layla, at three years old now. Mm -hmm. um, but that that middle child, boy, he uh, he's quiet. Uh -huh. um, and kids are, I don't know about your son, but my son loves games. Yeah. He loves games. That's he about loves right. YouTube. He loves being up in his room. They don't, I say, before this year, um, he was more always up in the room, but he just asked for a skateboard. So mm -hmm. his mother and I are late. Mm -hmm. Get him out of the house and mm -hmm. got his friends coming over to um, play outside. So that's a different dynamic. Mm -hmm. um, but how, what, what does being a mother, what does that, to, what does that mean to you? Being a mother is everything because, again, you have to listen to your children. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's important to have a conversation with him at any level. Um, and so I don't think <laughs> I am more of, well, I'll take it back. When my son was younger, I was more of a disciplinary. And then my husband was more of the, oh, relaxed, laid back. Kind of. So now our roles have shifted because I understand as he's becoming a young man, he needs something from my husband that I cannot give him. Absolutely. That hurts me to my core. But... I have to sit back and I have to allow my husband to teach him how to be a man because I can't teach him how to be a man. Some of the things I say, oh, well, just, it'll be all right. It's not that big of a deal for him. Uh, my husband said, no, it is a big deal because if you let it slide here, he's going to think it's okay at this level. And then when he gets to the next level, it's going to be much greater consequences. And so right now that is a struggle that I, <laughs> that is a struggle that I'm having now. Um, but it's something that I'm okay with because I understand the greater results. Right. I, I cannot cross that line there. There's a line that I cannot cross because he is growing into the young man. Yep. He needs to understand young man things that I do not understand. My husband can tell me all day, and in my mind, I'm like, well, it doesn't have to be that difficult, or it doesn't have to be that way in my mind. Right. Um, but to them, he's like, no, he's a young man. It has to be this way. It's so important for, and I'm glad that you are allowing that to happen um, because there, we have a lot of people or a lot of children that are growing up without both parents or without 
a parent that's willing to see the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. Because I think that's also important for us as raising the next generation of people that we are raising good human beings. Mm -hmm. And a part of that is realizing that, you know, when to step back, when to let your partner leave, when to let, you know, show your kid not only an example of uh, what's what not to do, but an example of what to do mm-hmm. in society and how to lead. So that's big that you um, and your husband are, are tag teaming on that, mm-hmm. and, and I, I definitely think that that's going to pay dividends. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So um, when we come back from this next break, we're going to cover the two stuff in the film. So basically what that is, is a moment in your life where you had to overcome adversity that okay. sticks out to you the most. Okay. Um, and we'll be right back after work from our sponsors. Real Dope Photography is more than just dope photos. It's a celebration of your brand, beauty, and confidence at any stage of your life. Our goal is to capture the greatest moments in your life and the world around you. Visit our website at realdopephotography.com. That's realdopephotography.com. And the real is spelled R-E-E-L. You know, like a real film. Make sure you set up your free consult today. Mention the Too Stubborn to Fail podcast on your booking form in the How Did You Hear About Us section, and you can receive a 20% discount. All right, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to the Two Stubborn to Fail podcast, where we tell stories about overcoming adversity. Today, we are talking to Dr. Shamika Sanders, um, just continuing a great conversation. Um, but what I'd like to wrap up with or end with is a Two Stubborn to Fail moment, basically a moment where you had to overcome adversity that sticks out to you. Uh, what's that moment to you? I would have to say um, maybe about the first five years of my marriage. That was the most difficult time that I experienced in my entire life to date. And I say that because at that time, we had just had my son. Um, My husband was on and off deployment. Um, So I was pretty much a single mom, married, (laughs) but still feel like I'm single. And so how do I deal with all that emotion? while at the same time bringing up a a new child, while at the same time trying to figure out where and how I want my life to go. Um, Because at that time, I had already graduated college. Um, I had just started law school, right? And I was like, I can't do this. So I ended law school. I dropped out. I only did it for like one semester because I made a decision. I need to be here to take care of my family. So I couldn't I couldn't do it. And in making that decision, there was resentment. And so how do you raise a child, have a marriage when there's resentment looking at you every day in your face because you feel like I made this decision because this decision over here. Right. And so I carried that a long time. And it wasn't until I had to speak in my truth to my husband to have that conversation with him because I was nasty. I was I was I was nasty. 
I will say I was very nasty. I was very mean. I was very selfish, and I was very and that's because I had resentment of everybody, and I didn't know how to deal with it. And also, when I had my son, I had postpartum. I didn't deal with that either. And so, all that all together that I never dealt with because I never knew how to deal with it. It was very emotional and it was very hard. But again, the only way I could deal with it was have to meet head on. I had to say, when you did this, I felt this way. When I had him, I felt this way. I still love him, but when I had him, I felt this way. And so it didn't happen overnight just because I said how I felt when I had him. Just because I spoke my truth to my husband. It didn't happen overnight where I just magically fell in love and I was like, oh, my family. No, that didn't happen overnight. That took some time. That took intentional effort. Intentional work on my part to have conversation, to engage, um, to want to be a part of before we got to this point. And so I'm glad I took that. I'm glad I took that step. I'm glad I was truthful and I'm glad I was honest and I was glad I was brave enough to stand in that moment and allow myself to feel in that moment instead of just pushing it down and shoving it down. That was that was deep. I can't, I, I can't really. I empathize with you, um, and I, as a person who saw my wife go through postpartum and and things that you know, when you have kids, some things do have to go on the back, especially um, at that time where it was just you. Um, so that was big. I appreciate you sharing that moment with us today. Um, but before we get out of here, um, where can people find you? Um, how can they get your books? Anything that you'd like. Alright, um, so you can find me at social media on Facebook, Instagram. Do I have Twitter? I do have Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> at uh, books by Dr. S. Max Sanders. Um, and then my website is going to be books by Dr. Sanders. And so, so social media handle books by Dr. S. Max Sanders. And then my um, website books by Dr. Before, um, what did you say? <laughs> before, <laughs> before we get out of here, um, did you have any last remarks, words of encouragement that you'd like to leave us with today? Um, trust the process. Um, I know it sounds cliche, but trust the process. Everything happens for a reason. You may not know the reason, the reason may not feel good. You may feel like, well, this something so bad happened to me. How can it turn around and be something so good? You have to trust the process. Understand what you are about to learn while you're going through this process. Figure out what is it that you, what is it that you need out of what you're going through. Because you have to get something out of what you're going through. Nothing just happens. I'm a firm believer nothing just happens. It, it just doesn't. So the fact that I'm sitting here right now today, even having this conversation with you, it didn't just happen. Something was in the works in the background uh, before it happened here. And us having this conversation here is going to propel something else to happen. So nothing just happens. So everything happens for a reason. You have to understand that even if that reason is not a good reason, what am I supposed to get out of it? 
that's a good word. I couldn't I couldn't think of any better way to end this off. Um, thank you for that. So this has been another amazing episode of the Two Stuff Wednesday podcast. Today we had Dr. Sanders in the building. Um, thank you for your time. We had a great conversation today. Make sure that you like, comment, and subscribe to the channel. Uh, my name is Darren Perkins, and we are Too Stubborn to Fail.